What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? Well, that's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. <laughs> Either way, we know movies, and even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah, this is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Well, hot damn. It's time for another episode. How you doing? Doing fantastic. I can't wait to uh, have this trip down memory lane with our guest it's it's so interesting how these little trips to memory lane are like are like all we have right now in the world you know these you just cling to the joyful joyful nostalgic place where there there is no fear and uh awfulness it's just good fun it's not just good fun it's it's good fun that ends up making you go Oh, I didn't know that. That's true. I think today, today's interview revealed so much to me about some of my favorite movies. Today we've got uh, we've got Ari Gross on the show, and what a what an illuminating interview this was because the stories that he told were so kind of above and beyond with with the behind the scenes uh, that I you know. I mean, obviously, that's what we we always aspire to get those little tidbits of, of information about the movies we love. Whether it's you know, in this case, it's just one of the guys, uh, Exterminator Two, um, you know, all of these these films that are like so almost sacred to us. We got some just great stories. Oftentimes, when we interview someone on our show, we get an informative background where they're from you know how they grew up where they went to school yada 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 all that good stuff and Ari from the get-go just jumps right into one story after another about his experiences in the films he's made yeah I didn't expect to bring up Exterminator 2 but we did and we what what came out of it was hilarious in my opinion a lot of fun and 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 depth as well such an entertaining interview positive experience great guy to talk to just a real honor and i think by the end of this thing we both were like whoa (laughs) yeah there's much more to talk about which we'll hopefully do at a later date 
yeah, I felt like uh, I grew as a person and, uh, and I'm better for it. So, yeah, I guess we won't no more dilly-dallying. Let's just get right to it. Here is our interview with the great Ari Gross. Sit back and enjoy. Ari Gross, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. It's, it's really exciting to have you on the show. And um, Zach and I are very big fans of, of your work. Huge. Uh, huge. We, 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 so we won't much. be shy. Huge. Yeah. It's very, very kind of you. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's obviously, it's not really an exciting time in the world at large right now. For, for many people. Who... Well, you know, it depends on where you are. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but, but in our little world, it's always nice. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you jumping in with us. Um, how, how are things? How are you, how are you doing? We were just discussing that the, it's been just a very heavy week for everybody. Um, yeah, it has, you know, there's uh, <laughs> just uh, randomly uh, my iTunes uh, yesterday played a, Tedeschi Trucks band track called The Storm. Mm, yeah. um, I don't know if you're familiar yep. with them. I love that yep. band. Yeah, it's fantastic. And The um, uh, I, the Storm uh, starts with a, a, a flood and then uh, it talks about everything burning. And I just thought, well, this kind of, you know, sums up late August 2020. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm in, uh, I, I'm in California and it's, um, I'm, I'm not in an area that's, um, on fire at the moment. Um, there's no hurricane Always good. and, um, and nobody in the house needs a ventilator. So, you know, that's so true. far so good. Truly. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. well but said. It, it is crazy time, huh? It is a crazy time. I just, I just feel like when we think it can't get any crazier, it gets crazier. You know? mm, yeah, right. Kind yeah. of, kind of, just waiting for the the rain of bullfrogs to start. <laughs> Seriously, that's <laughs> it. Like, what's the next plague? You know, the, earlier this week it was like, yeah. oh, an asteroid's coming. I'm like, that makes sense. You know, yeah. it's just yeah, 2020. Merry why, Christmas. Why wait? Then there's yeah. going to be a robot that uh, blasts from the future into the past and uh, starts looking for Sarah Connor. And then we've got a whole other movie yep. on our hands. So. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> there That's we right. Um, so good. Glad you're doing well. Um, obviously, you are you are uh, a very eclectic actor. You've done a lot of different things. And you are one of those actors who I feel like everybody knows visually uh, but doesn't necessarily know your name and, um, you know, but there's nobody like I could show your picture to anyone and they're like, Oh, of course, of course. I love that guy. Um, but yeah. oh, that guy, thank you. Brother. That guy, there's the, there's the guy we love. Um, and everyone can always point I, to like, I our... love all the, I love everyone who says that by the way. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like everyone can kind of point to like a, a performance um, of yours in which, you know, something resonated. And like, I think for us, probably, at least for me personally, Zach, you can chime in on this. Just one of the guys was, I think our first exposure to, you know, to your work. Um, 
and that's a film we we both you know we've we've covered so many times on this on this show. We had uh, Joyce Heiser Robinson who played Terry on the show. Um, that was a very special movie for her. I'd love to know what your experience was like. Uh, okay, so um, I mean, I hadn't really. Um exposed myself much before just one of the guys. Um, I, I had done it. I had done a couple of things, but, um, exterminator two, um, exterminator two, of course. Yeah. Thanks guys. Of you course. really, uh, you we had start to just because you we know never, it, you don't have to say it. We never start in the beginning also like, uh, yeah. You, okay. Wait, I just have to say for clarification, you said ahead of time, you had, you had no problem talking about anything. So, uh, we bring up exterminator. Oh, I, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. I, I didn't say I was going to be happy about it, but I will talk about it. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, um, I, I'll, I'll tell you this about exterminator too. I, um, uh, I read for the thing and, um, and then I weirdly got hired for some reason. And, the this what I was doing were the, the like two weeks of reshoots for the sequel to Exterminator, and um, and I was part of a, a part of Mario Van Peebles' gang. Yeah, <laughs> and I believe my name was Turbo. And yes. then uh, when we were in our hideout, um, and it was time for me to say words, the the director kept coming up to me and saying, "Like, do more like the audition." You're not doing it like at the audition, and um, oh, I love that. I think oh, I'm not not really sure exactly what that was, and, it, and there was like take after take, and the, you know the other guys in the gang were <laughs> suddenly like, "Come on, man! I'm like, what the fuck? Can she like get it together?" <laughs> and and I say, like, I honestly I have no idea what I'm what I'm not doing. And then finally, I said, "When you audition, you had like this like really kind of nasal thing," and I was like, "Oh." I had a terrible cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Can I stick some cotton in my nose? Maybe yeah, that'll right. work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was. A, I had a fabulous time on that. Fucking bro, watch ain't nothing to brag about. It's phony cocktail. Uh, let's go. You see the look on her face when you put it through. <laughs> Damn, that was good. Yeah. I like it when the faces go crazy like that. Like they think the world's gone psycho and there's no way out. But that's it. What you're speaking of is is a is a very interesting challenge for an actor because there are times when you're not quite, you know, feeling well. And you know, as voice actors, it's like we know like any any time we audition for something that we can't replicate later, yeah. of course we're going to book it, you yeah, know, right. like a course, and they're going to want right. that. Like, yeah, yeah you know, like, oh, no, well, I just had morning voice that day, and I, yeah, I mean, the only way I could replicate that is if we shot it at four in the morning, maybe, you know, like, uh, <laughs> or recorded it at four in the morning. So, um, I just had a root canal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. you're, you're asking me when I had cotton in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> you know, so is that something where, from that experience, you then maybe had some second thoughts if you ever weren't feeling no i just i just put it out of my mind yeah. and marked it up to another like strange difficulty of the business yep. um but no i i didn't i i, I never i didn't do the like note to self always <laughs> you know Only record yourself funny. before you audition so if they like it you know what you were doing um right well i do i i will say going back to what dustin was asking saying about just one of the guys your your role in that film uh as willie to me, uh, I, I feel like 
one of the reasons why I love that movie so much is because each character is so well fleshed out, even the small ones. Like, where you go, I want to know more about this guy. I want to know about this backstory. What's your interest in science fiction? Were, were you a Trekkie or were you more of a Star Wars guy? Like, I mean... Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa <laughs> what whoa, are you talking about? Pop up. Yeah, no, yeah. I, you, you, um, you're so great in that. So have, have, have you guys talked to Robert Field Steele yet by any chance? No. Phil? Mm. Uh, all right. So um, there, there is kind of a story to William Phil in, in this. Um, uh, first of all, um, wonderful actor and and uh, playwright now and um, teacher. I think he's teaching in the University of Georgia. Is Robert Fieldsteel who played my, you know, my my counterpart and um, and just one of the guys. And um, we'd actually been. It's kind of involved with that project at the very early stages where um, it, it was being workshopped in a in a in a playwriting and screenwriting workshop that um, the actress uh, Dee Dee Cohn uh, ran in Hollywood. Got it. Cool. And um, so it, you know it was the kind of thing where you would show up as an actor and writers would have material that they wanted the other writers in the in the group to hear and give them feedback. And, um, so I made a point of going to this thing. Um, you know, I had other friends who were actors who were involved in it and it seemed like a good way to kind of, um, get, get a little experience and, you know, really when you're starting out, particularly you look for like every opportunity you can to, to, um, you know, exercise. Yeah, totally. And, um, um, so, so we, uh, Robert and I started reading these Willie and Phil characters in this high school comedy, um, that was, you know, sort of, sort of based on Twelfth Night and, um, and we eventually, once the movie was getting made, we, we were offered the parts, which was fantastic that, um, Lisa was able to, um, Lisa Gottlieb, the director, writer, was able to do that for us. <clears throat> and um, um, so they were in pre-production. We already knew that we had the jobs and that we were going to go to location in Scottsdale, Arizona to shoot it. Um, and we, we, we got a phone call from Lisa um, because we were Trekkies, like, like down the line. Trekkies. Oh wow, legit. Okay. And 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 they said, uh, okay, so it's a Columbia movie and Paramount, I guess, has a Star Trek movie coming out mm. and they're they're not giving Columbia any rights to use any uh. Star Trek references. So oh. you guys have to be something other than Trekkies. Um and so think about what you what you might want to do and and we're gonna sort of kick it around. And then shortly after that they sent us some pages and we were, we were horror movie, uh, fans, oh, okay. but kind of generic. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the bits in the lunchroom were like, there'd be a, you know, one of us would find a human eye in our spaghetti here, <laughs> you know, um, like and, chainsaw and Dave in summer school. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So it just did not really feel, um, it, it 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 didn't feel particularly compelling. No. And Robert and I kind of, we had been 
we'd been trying to learn like uh, Klingon um, when we were doing the, um, the when, when we were going to be Trekkies, but then um, um, we decided, we just pitched this idea that um, we weren't, you know, science fiction fans or Trekkies. We were from another galaxy. Yeah. And yeah. we were here to study human behavior. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> and we and we had a language that we spoke. Yeah. And it's a great language. Everybody was so overwhelmed making the movie that they just kind of went, I don't, I've, it's, yeah, fine. Just <laughs> um okay, That's so funny. um will you have something so there's you're in a scene in the gym just like um can you write it out? And we'd sort of write a couple of lines of dialogue and go, all right, we don't have to linger on you guys. That'll be fine. And then when we, when we got there, we, you know, we'd work all the time on like what, what the scene would be and what the conflict would be and what we were trying to resolve. We took it very like super, super seriously. I'll take Willie if you take Phil. Okay. Come on guys. What an opportunity. Yeah. To- it was fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Um, we actually, at, Lisa filmed, um, filmed us singing at, for the final credits, but they didn't use it because there was again, a rights problem. Um, we sang the song love is a many splendored thing, <laughs> um, but in our, in our language. language. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Amazing. in our our track new schmear, uh, <laughs> language, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Wait, did that um, did that wind up on the cutting room floor? Like, is that something we might it did. see? It wound up on the cutting room floor. Oh, I mean, because oh, because the Blu-ray edition came out fairly recently, and I know it was it was yeah. very popular, and it has a commentary track on it. But the, that's about it. And when we were talking to Joyce, she's like, "I would love to see a, like a real." you know special edition of this film come out and, and man, deleted scenes yeah. and yeah, yeah for sure that would be incredible or you can just recreate that with us um you know down the road when we see you in person sure yeah, yeah. I'll, let's see if i can get robert right now yeah um awesome. there's no rights problems on our show nope no copyright <laughs> <laughs> we'll do whatever go. oh that's yeah. great um so we um um it's we were, I will tell you, we were constantly together. Um, and, and as a result, um, we, we shot the shooting schedule, um, uh, encompassed, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, of that year. I think it was 84 that we did it. And, um, and Robert left on a Wednesday morning um, to go back to LA to, to, um, be with his family for Thanksgiving. And, um, and somebody from the production office was, you know, going to drive him to the airport. And I, I got a call at about six thirty in the morning and I had the day off. It was the day before Thanksgiving, but I was staying and I said, oh, hi, Ari, sorry to wake you with some, is, is Robert there? <laughs> and I said, well, what, 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 what do you mean? They go, well, you know, we're his, the van's ready to take him and pick him oh up God. yet. Oh, no. And I said, why, 
why, why would Robert be here? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I just, uh, well, we tried his room oh and there was no God. answer. And um, uh, you, you guys are always together. Anyway. So, um, That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Um, um, and um, I do have a, I have a favorite thing about just one of the guys. Um, if if you want to, if you can bear to hear any more about, it. of course, oh, please, please, welcome it. Um, so, um, the the actor who played the coach is John Apicella, mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful actor. And um, um, and as Robert and myself had been working on this thing before we, um, you know, before it was picked up or greenlit you know john developed that role and we all we'd all work together on stage in la and we flew in to to phoenix together and um john was a couple of years older had lived in scottsdale and it, it has there's there's something of a of a kind of guru about him and he he was reading Mark Halperin's Winter's Tale. And as we were flying in, he was saying, you know, that according to this book, what you do when you enter a new city has everything to do with the direction from which you've entered it. Um, so theoretically, we're coming in from the west, but the plane is banking, so we're really coming in from the east. And if you enter a city from the east, according to this book, it, your mission in the city is to... Is, is to uh, engender and foster uh, feelings of love in that city. Wow. wow. And we're like, okay, that's, that's good to know. And um, <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we showed up, we worked for a few days. We, um, we shot the big scene at the, at the prom and all the pretty girls in the movie, women, all the attract, uh, all the lead women in the movie, almost without exception, but I'm, I'm sure there were, were kind of hanging out with the band that played. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, and, and, and Robert and John and, and Stu Chernow and I, our honey wagons were like on a totally other side of the, the uh, water park uh, where we were shooting. And we even put up a sign that said character actors ghetto. Because um, <laughs> uh, we weren't with any of the like beautiful, you know, young leading right. actors. You weren't, and, you weren't um, with Rock and Davis. <laughs> no, no, we were not. And um, so, um, so as things worked out at the end of that sequence where we were night shooting, and John had a car. Um, that he had borrowed from a friend uh, who still lived in the area. We invited R Robert and John and I, three of the really, um, three of the uh, yeah. female actors in the movie, As you should. Um, to have breakfast with us at Denny's. Nice. Oh yeah. And uh, and we thought, yeah, this is this is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to be great. And they spent the entire time talking about which of the band members oh. were like the hottest. And, and John said, isn't this amazing that like, we worked on this thing from a, you know, workshop and a basement in Hollywood and then it becomes a big Columbia movie and we're out, did night shoots and with these beautiful actresses and they all turn out to be yahoos. 
And um, so they were a little offended. And we we all went back to the hotel, dropped them off. And um, John and Robert and I would go on these long drives. John, John would take drive us around Scottsdale and show us the sort of um, stations of his youth. Amazing. You know, um, he'd say, this is um, right up the road there is that's the house where um, my girlfriend and I ha- had set to 7-Eleven. Wow, that's a bummer. It's a 7-Eleven. And then, um, but here, wow. I'll show you this other thing. And um, I'm going to show you the place, like the first time I got high. Like I'd smoked weed a couple of times before, but the first time oh I really got high, it's in... Oh my God, that's a Seven Eleven. Um, so, so we started going to these Seven Elevens, and on on that particular night, um, they they were selling flowers at the Seven Eleven. Um, not all of them do. Some in Arizona in the mid eighties were selling flowers. So we decided we would get three bouquets of flowers and give them to um, each of these actresses as a sort of apology ah. for insulting them. Um, I love that. Uh, earlier that morning. Very classy. Yeah. And yeah, I thought so. And um, we we didn't want to wake them. So we just left them on their, um, the, you know, in front of their hotel rooms. Oh, no. And the next day, we're all in the van mm-hmm. um, going to the location. And, um, and, you know, one of the actresses, like, you got flowers too? I, so there's the weirdest. I think you know what? It's the guys from the band. Yeah. They gave us the flowers. Oh, so Brock and um, we Had to learn the decided not to say anything, and we incorporated <laughs> it into our mission of spreading love as our true mission while we were there. So for the rest of the shoot, secretly, like commandos, we would get flowers every night, and we made sure to leave flowers for. A few people until we got everybody in the crew. Oh, my God. So some people thought it was great. Some people uh, were scared and thought we, there should be security looking out for whoever was doing this. And then um, at, at the end of the schedule, um, we, we went to a restaurant that had like um, a kind of Western theme. And you could, you could dress up in Western garb and put on holsters and hold rifles and, you know, cowboy hats. And got nice. an old time photograph taken as the oh, yeah. the bouquet bandits. Oh the bouquet bandits. Um, <laughs> yeah, with like flowers coming out of our holsters and out of the end of the rifles and oh my gosh, sticking oh, out God. of our waistcoats and stuff. And and uh, we just made a photograph and left it at the production office for everybody. And and went on our way. And I recently found my copy of the photograph. Oh, oh yes. Oh. Yeah. So, if you guys give me an email address later on, I'll send you. A I, I mean, please do. You no, have, that you would... have mine. So, yeah, send away. That's, it was. It, yeah, cool. it was like the. It, I think it was one of the best times I've ever had on a shoot because there was this like strong secondary like preoccupation. Um, that you know we were on it. We were on a mission, and and really shooting the thing was a little secondary. Yeah, it sounds like well, you had, incredible. had this experience of like. I mean, but Dustin and I both talk about, you know, pining for girls back in the day. And, but that feeling of being like, I, we were both speaking personally, it was a little bit of a, an outsider and, and really always was attracted to like the really popular girl. And, 
would try to go out of my way, but then I was always like, oh, you did that so nicely for me. I, I'm going to, oh, thank you so much. I don't want to date you, but uh, I'll, I'll take whatever you want to give me right. kind of thing, you know? So that's, sure. oh, that story is gold. I, I just love that that's just born out of like, you know, you landing the plane with this idea from the book of we're coming in from the east. This is the goal. And uh, and obviously touring every single 7-Eleven from his childhood is unbelievably funny. I, I, I just recently watched a, um, a great documentary about Brian Eno. Mm-hmm. The, um, oh, can, can you hold on a second? Sorry. Uh, my my daughter's on a break from school. Oh, Sophia, I'm doing a, a podcast right now. Can we talk about it in a little bit? I think she's out in the garden. Maybe out front. Okay. Did you guys get that? Yeah, we did, actually. We're gonna okay. Garden All right, out good. front. <laughs> so yeah. We... I thought I had a red light turning uh, on the outside of the bedroom door, but, you know. Um, <laughs> Should have put a flower oh, yeah, out. Put a, a flower or a, t- or a tie. On <laughs> that's the right. That's right. Tie on the doorknob. Yeah. It would um, yeah. be that's... something different. I, I don't know if you guys realized that, but um, okay. Yes, so, it would um, be, we realized that it would be yeah. something. Yeah, we yeah. realized. It's all good. Yeah, right. Yes, the red light. And um, <laughs> we're just in the same way they were assuming that Robert was in your room. You know, we're assuming that. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And was that um, was that a um, uh, you know like t- Tim Matheson and. Tom Hulse, was that a uh, um, Animal House? Animal House. Uh, you know what? Yeah. I've officially become senile. It's okay. <laughs> I could not. I could not remember the name. It's okay House. because being, um, was, be, being on the uh, great eight, the greatest eighties podcast of all time with two of the uh, the, the dictionaries of uh, the IMDb's of, of the, 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 the podcast <laughs> world. I guess. Yes, we we pride ourselves on knowing you know, the most random shit that no one will ever need to know. And we just know it. Yeah. Um, like Brock and Davis. Like Brock and Davis. Which, like Brock and Davis, that's right. You know, speaking of that band, I mean, we have a whole... I feel ashamed saying this now. We, we love the band, too. And uh, we... <laughs> uh, you know, just well, more specific. We're not going to Denny's, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Damn it. I just want the flowers, man. No, uh, just the, more specifically that song that was playing at the prom. Hard Way. The Hard Way was very, um, was very hard to track down because they didn't, they, they'd never actually released, they never released a version that was in the movie to the public. So, uh, but it's a good song. Damn that band! No damn that band! Damn Taking that, all the ladies. That Mister Mister wannabe that band. I hate now too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, wasn't the? Here's my question: because when I watched the movie, the band seems really old. Like they seem so much older than everyone else. Uh, so was that the case? I mean, were, were these ladies like you know these guys? They they seem like they're late thirties, early forties. Maybe that's just how they looked. I. 
I never really got close enough to them to uh, to get a good look. You didn't get yeah. close enough to smell their breath? <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't really uh, distinguish them. It was low light. And it was hard for me to tell. You know, low yeah, light. well, it's I, yeah. because, uh, you know, Terry's best friend, Denise, is like pining after the band member. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, I'm going to go hang out with the band member. Like, you're in high school and he's not. So this isn't. But he's legal. 40. Yeah, yeah, he's 40 right. and you're in high school. So this is just kind of gross. Kind of a thing, though. Um, yeah. It is a thing. Yeah. But we're, you know, different we can time. celebrate sure. it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. That's true. Different times. That's true. <laughs> Speaking of different times, uh, Soul Man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, is a, oh, yeah. that is a perfect right, segue. Right. That is a perfect Wait a second. There might be something I don't talk about. <laughs> um, Next. Um, no. <laughs> Law school. Yeah! Yeah! Tuition and fees. $10,493. Harvard Law School. This is a big day for all of us. That's why I've decided to let you pay your own way. Estimated annual living expenses. You ever applied for a loan before? $7,500. Mr. Watson, you don't pay your bills. Get out. Total for three years of law school. Wait a second, look at this. Full tuition for the most qualified applicant. Most qualified black applicant. $53,979. Don't you think you're overreacting? No. Congratulations, Mr. Watson. Thank you, sir. I'll do my best. Some people will do anything to get into Harvard. It's gonna be great! These are the 80s, man! It's the Cosby decade! For Mark Watson, all it took was a little soul. I'd like you to meet my good friend, Kareem Abdul Ali. We got Washington here on the coin toss, so he'll take Leon. That's Watson. Right. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah, there may be a problem here. Your roommate was a, uh... <clears throat> what? A black Negro. A black Negro? You know, there's something really strange about you, and I don't know what it is. Oh, God, is she beautiful? You gotta believe me. You must have learned a great deal more than you bargained for. Don't tell her I'm white. Don't tell her you're white. What's going on? Can we blame him for the color of his skin? Mom, Dad, I'm black. What? what? No, you're crazy. Mark Watson. Come on now! From the producer of Risky Business, Soul Man. He didn't give up. He got down. Got on. Do you really hate the Beach Boys now? No, no, I, 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 come on, hit me. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That that film, <laughs> uh, it's very controversial, you know, in, in in today's kind of realm. Like, obviously, your character, uh, you know, is 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 not the um, the one charged with any sort of. <laughs> right, your character is great. You're the best part of the movie, and I mean, don't even know, have time to argue that point. But yeah, go on. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it's just it's just one of those movies that you know we look at it now. We're like, obviously, that could never be made today. Um, you know, that's correct. It came out in eighty six and eighty six. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. you wow. know, and at the time, I think everybody was just like, well, this is just like a fun. You know, I think I think its intention was it, it seemed like a well intentioned movie. It was trying to bring a little bit of awareness um, to the you know to to the African American difficulties at that time in the 80s but when you really you know when you really look at it you're like oh well this is 
incredibly offensive. Um, <laughs> when you look at it now, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so you know, I probably, I probably should watch it again. I don't think. You know, I, I saw it at the screening. I had an incredibly good time. I had a great time working on it, and um, and I and I know that um, that the uh, um, I mean, in an absolute sense, the the intention of the of the movie of the the writers um, Carol Black and Neil Marlins and you know, the producers, um, was to, um, make an eighties movie, an eighties comedy, um, that took on the issue of white liberal racism mm -hmm. and, you know, with a desire to make people laugh and rethink their, you know, rethink this notion that um, we were living in a colorblind America because because the Cosby Show was the biggest show on television, and yeah, you know, and there were you know sports and entertainment figures that were you know hugely successful. That right. it, it didn't mean that racism was over in America. So we didn't think we were making black like me. But we thought we were making a comedy that actually was, you know, that had something um, righteous to say. And I I think it kind of caught everyone by surprise um, that, I mean, some people really embraced it. And it was certainly a popular movie uh, for the time. But, um, you know, She's Gotta Have It came out, uh, you know, the same weekend. And, oh, wow. and Spike Lee just just savaged yes. the movie and Ray Don John um, oh. for being in it. You know it, that that um, that's a shame. You know the the, the crazy thing is, is I, I you know several months ago I really like Samantha B. Yeah, she's yeah. Um, and it was probably a year ago actually. She was doing. Um, she was doing something on her show um, about systemic racism and then made this, used a clip from soul man and, and, and made the statement, um, Hey, sure. Things are getting a little better. I mean, in the eighties, everybody was super happy making an anti-affirmative action comedy, mm. which was like, it couldn't be farther from right. the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, um, and and I actually think you kind of yes the movie would not be made today, but and I think if you really look at the movie, uh, the the objects of ridicule are um, not just racist whites, but white people who who think they have no racism at all. Yeah, that's a good, really um, good point. Yeah, um, and um, but more importantly, I did get to work with Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes. Well, that, that, right? that, that speaks a lot to your career. You've, mm -hmm. you've worked with so many equally, and I say equally because if we held you in the same regard, yeah, see, the, your phone agrees <laughs> with us. Um, <laughs> equally agree, uh, equally talented performers, um, and including Leslie Nielsen and obviously James Earl Jones and 
but yeah. you've 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 done so your your body of work is so extensive, specifically in the the eighties and going into the nineties. And I think you know when we look at your movies from Soul Man to you know Tequila Sunrise and the experts, which I really want to talk about, by the way, uh, you know, and, and like in down in down Coupe de Ville and et cetera, et cetera, you have, you've been surrounded by so many talented people, which obviously elevates the quality of the film that you're in, but you stand out. Like Justin said, you're the best part of soul man. I would say that you're the best part of many of the films you've been in. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. I mean, I, I, and I think Soul Man, yeah, I think there's a there's also a piece of Soul Man too. Go watch the movie first before you comment on it. Just don't look at the poster, like as often right. people, a lot of people do. Right, because the the, the tagline tag right is in order to get in, he had to get down. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, and that's why. Believe me, that really doesn't help its cause at oh, all. No. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying there wasn't much that was egregious about uh, a lot of things surrounding the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody was particularly happy with Tommy's makeup. No, but I think. But I think that. But again, I think (laughs) watching the film is a whole different story than just reading that tagline or reading, looking at the poster. A comedy with heart and soul. You and know. in case anybody listening is confused, you know, Soul Man is a movie in, in which C. Thomas Howell takes tanning pills uh, <laughs> to become black in order to get a scholarship into Harvard Law School. Um, I, I, to, to qualify for the like only scho- a scholarship that just happens to uh, be set aside for an right. African American yes, student. Yes, yes, that is a, yeah. a, a good. Um, yeah. um, and in the and in the process denies uh, the person who should have received it, who, uh, who's played by Ray Don Chong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, through, through yes. Context there. <laughs> um, and, it's a, and it's a bad thing that he does. We're not saying it's a good thing. Right. No, no, <laughs> it's not. No. Yeah. But it's a good point that you're making, too, about how our lens at that time was, was vastly different. And this idea that, well, oh, we got the Cosby show on TV. You know, I'm a big fan yeah. of OJ Simpson. He's a great football player and great commentator, you know, and, and well, that doesn't qual, qual that qualifies me as being, you know, not racist or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. But when yeah, you look right. at as a, right. as a primarily white filmmaking team, you know, like you look at that now, you're like, okay, well, that's not yeah. the best, um, you know, as far as a, telling, telling an accurate story. Um, but like you said, you got to work with Le- Leslie Nielsen, who, right. Come on, legend, legendary. So, do you know that he would constantly carry a sort of hand-operated whoopee cushion with him at virtually all times? No. No. Um, so, um, <laughs> please indulge. When he was when when he was meeting people, um, they go, "Oh, hi! Can we take your picture?" And he goes, "Oh." I, uh, certainly. What, uh, what? What's your name? I'm, I'm Bob. Oh, geez, that's crazy. Um, and he'd say, oh, "I'm Leslie Nielsen," <laughs> um, but you wouldn't see where it was coming from. And uh, we, we were staying in this hotel, and like every time we'd get in the elevator with him, as soon as like strangers would get in the elevator car, uh, uh, he, he would start working his. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> little fur peg. It was amazing. Bless him. Oh, yeah, God, the ones where you don't yeah. know where they're coming from. Those are the best ones. 
where it's just like is, cause you're questioning is, what you've heard. Like, okay, that's right. I heard it. Um, yeah, it was amazing. That is that is that is awesome. I think nowadays uh, farting is more acceptable in public than coughing. So yeah. so uh, oh, yeah. you know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I know I know we we want to make sure we cover other bases too. I, I just I have to say. Uh, in full disclosure, I rewatched The Experts last night for the first time in probably ten years, maybe. Um, and I and I I would love to talk a little bit about that if if you're up for it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I know that film was it's you know got Bill Travolta as the lead and rightfully so, and it's got some hiccups here and there. But but again, you are the the show stealer in that film uh specifically for your awesome hair which is like a <laughs> mulleted kind of uh and your wardrobe uh which i i think would go over really well nowadays <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah what, what was the um i i had when i when i went to audition i, I dressed be all, all in black because it starts out with the guys, you know, they're in this, you know, working at nightclub in New York. Yeah. And so was all that New black, York, by black the way? hat. What's that? Was that New York, by the way? Oh, no. That was <laughs> like, you know, Toronto or something. Yeah, that, okay. Just, okay. I just, just, just want to clarify. Yeah. I don't think we set foot in the United States while we're shooting that. Okay. Um, and, um, um, and then when they, I, when I got hired, um, the costume designer called me and said, hey, so listen, everybody really liked what you wore for the audition. So we're going to give, so that's what John's going to wear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right. with the cow, with the pants so, tucked into the cowboy boots, by the way. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. That's that, no that was, I, I had skipped that actually. Um, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> and, um, um, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it, but no, it's just no, my yeah. thing. Yeah. And, Personal choice. And then I, um, they said, well, what do you, so what do you want? Hey, what do you think your guy, Wendell, I think was my name, yeah. should look like. And um, so I, I called a friend of mine who was the stylist on, on, um, on Soul Man, um, Sharon Simoner. She said, um, well, so if it's against black, what it, it should probably just be like a bunch of uh, uh, mixed matched colors and patterns. Mm. And um, so I said, okay. Right. And I brought that to the costume designer and they came up with like, um, they came up with the, the wardrobe on that. Um, yeah, so I, it's but, like, all right, you know, fine. Sure. Great. <laughs> was the was the bandana around your neck? Was that a, was was that your choice or? <laughs> I don't I, I don't recall it being my choice, and if it was, it was again. It was a different time. Yeah. No. Yeah. Look, I, I, uh, I, yeah. that movie. So that movie opens with some some. We love neon, and obviously we're huge fans of the eighties, and like, uh, and and the, so the opening credits is like blue neon and pink neon, and 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 it's just so, and it has that vibe. You made that movie. I know the film was shelved for a couple of years, and so it was probably made in like '86 or '87. And um, uh, and then Dave Thomas directed it, 
right? Um, yes. Uh, Dave uh, from uh, SCTV. Yeah. Um, and um, awesome. do you ever see him do the like the the like the like yelling like Scotsman on SCTV? Yes. Mm. Yeah. That yes. that was pretty much how he directed the movie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was uh, uh, he was great. I think it was like maybe three days into shooting the film he, he called me um after the third day and and said hey just um just wanted to ask you it's uh paramount right and i, I said what do you mean he goes paramount it's a, the, the reason you did the movie is because it's because it's a big paramount movie and i said well i mean i, I mean that was I, I, like part of it sure and he's like, because it, was, it wasn't me. You know, I don't have any directing credibility. In my, certainly not the script. So, but like, what drew you to this? Like, what made you say yes? And I was like, well, Dave, I, I think it was just a big opportunity. And he went, yeah, okay, me too. And, um, <laughs> and um, oh, that's funny. And, um, you know, the original idea that the, I guess the spec script that had been submitted it was still called The Experts, but, and it was about a, a town in Russia that had been, you know, a, a, a mock American town um, where, um, you know, KGB agents would be trained for deep cover uh, work in the U.S. Yeah. And, um, and in the original script, they had um, imported some stuff from New York and with it um, cockroaches. So it, they'd never had these kind of cockroaches. So they kidnapped two guys who were exterminators. Oh, oh. Um, and which is got, it's, it's a little edgier. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and so they think they're yeah, in another actually. American city and slowly discover that they're, you know, somewhere in the Soviet union. It's darker. Um, it's definitely darker. It is darker. Um, and, uh, but you know, along the way, you know, there's always somebody who's like, "Now hold on a second. Mm. What if instead of exterminators, <laughs> they're nightclub employees?" You know, <laughs> like, "Oh, I can see it. I can yeah, see it yeah. now." Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. And um, <laughs> but you know, the thing that really did in the movie, uh, uh, it was. You know, Perestroika, um, mm. and you know the, you know the collapse of the Soviet Union, which um, I mean, on my on my long list of resentments against Russia at the moment, <laughs> that's still pretty high up there. Yeah, um, right because I thought yeah. um, I, I thought the experts was going to do something other than a week in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah because. Uh, it has yeah. it has many things going for it in my opinion um i, I think it, it it looks it looks like you and john had a really fun time kind of pairing off each other and he, and yeah. he was at the such a great like this was right before he started kind of making his quote unquote comeback as a big screen uh mm -hmm. actor you know and yeah and, and i was really hoping this would have been the thing that had been <laughs> would have been the comeback um, but no, it had it had to wait. I guess to your point um, about about nightclub 
employees. I mean, how much of that do you think is related to like, well, we need Travolta to dance and a dancing mm-hmm. exterminator is harder to sell? Or maybe not at all. That's a good point, you know, actually. that sounds as like as good an explanation as any I've heard. <laughs> well, I was going to say your, your dance moves are on par with his dance moves. Yeah. Uh, you know. Bravo. I don't. I, I don't even. I don't really recall dancing in the movie, but you um, did. In the when, sure, I'll, I'll take that. When that uh, the weird um, cantina club gets remade as your uh, ooh, ooh ah, I think it's called <laughs> ooh, ooh la. Uh, I think it's called okay. ooh ah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, and and you're having like the welcoming committee, and, and they're all having their their the buffet plates in the nightclub, uh, and. At one point, you were dancing. No, sorry. It's when Back of the USSR is being played. Um, the cover version, by oh the way, goodness. by Jack Mack and the Heart uh-huh. Attack. Uh, <laughs> local L.A. <laughs> band. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, you're getting down with, with Travolta. It's one of the many montage scenes in that movie. There's, a, there's some great montage uh-huh. scenes. Yeah. So that was one of them. And that's, um, that's the movie yeah, where that... he met Kelly Preston, right? Yeah. I believe that's... Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Who's a um, wonderful actor and rest in peace, yeah. obviously. And yeah, and and sadly missed. She was, yeah. she was a, um, she was a very, she was, a, she was a very nice person. Um, I really have had, I don't think I've had any contact with them since, um, shortly after um, that movie came out. But I, I have nothing but good memories about um, about both of them. We'll just know that it's very it's, it, yeah. it has a warm place in our hearts as well, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say. Okay. I was going like, okay. <laughs> to well, I was going to say too. You know, um, it wasn't that mm. it didn't follow up right after that film, but a, f- a few years later, you made a movie called Coupe de Ville. Yeah. Um, written yeah. by Mike Binder, who I yeah. who at the time he he it was like kind of like a in a, in a way like a trilogy. He did Crossing the Bridge, Coupe de Ville. I think that came out timeline wise, correct? And then Indian yeah, Summer. Right. Indian summer came right. out after that. And I grew up in Michigan, um, from Michigan originally. So oh. th- I had a fondness for Coupe de Ville. Uh, what a great road trip. Hey, actually today's Daniel Stern's birthday. So uh, is it? Yes, it is. That's awesome. That's right. But it looks yeah. like you guys had a equally fun time making that movie. Um, um, we, we did. It was, um, I mean, first of all, I mean, it was it, as a road trip, we, like we shot all over the place. You know, we were we were in Georgia, we were in Florida, we were in South Carolina, we were in North Carolina. Um, it was a it was a it was a great experience, and I'm, you know, I, I've loved. Um, I became friends with Patrick and Daniel and um, Patrick Dempsey. But, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yes. that's right. And, and but, um, and and just. I, and I loved working with Daniel and less so with Patrick um, because he was deeply, deeply committed to being the, uh, the unbelievably annoying younger brother. Uh-huh. Which he plays really well. Um, and yeah. he, he was. And there were times, there were times in the car when Daniel was driving and Patrick was needling him and I was in the middle having to like break them up so that like Daniel didn't crash the car. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, um, 
and it, you know, I got to work with um, Anna Beth Gish, mm-hmm. Alan um, Arkin, yeah, and and of course Alan Arkin. Yeah. That was the um, I was able to do Mother Night with him a few years later. Fantastic. And um, and and I've I've done theater with both his sons Matthew and Adam, who's one of my closest friends. Um, and, um, but yeah, uh, yes, Alan is, is absolutely a, a hero of mine from my first inklings of ever wanting to be an actor. I saw that movie um, opening day when it came out. Oh, did you? Yeah. And, uh, huh. cause again, I was such a huge fan of Mike Binder. Yeah. Work. And I was like, Oh wait, another Michigan movie, you know? Cause at the time I hadn't really seen, I, I just, I moved to California, but I still had a lot of fondness for anything from my home town grew up right outside Detroit right. so I could relate. And, uh, I don't know. I was, I loved it. And yeah, Annabeth Gish at the time, like, I mean, she's fan- She's a phenomenal actor, but she was yeah, she is. top of her game at that point. Um, just a fun, like a fun road trip. I love a good road trip movie. Well, and it's also, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very disarming movie. Um, Zach had been telling me about this movie and I, and I was like, Coupe de Ville, Coupe de Ville. And then I, the second I started rewatching it, I was like, oh, I've totally seen this and it's amazing. But it's a movie that is, it really, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship movie about three brothers who don't get along and kind of their journey from uh, Detroit to Florida driving this car down to, uh, down to their father as a present for their mother. And it's, but it's, Miami, but, yeah. but what get, gets me is, or got me is the fact that like, it was kind of like I was, totally engrossed in the movie and um no pun intended and um but 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 just watching the the relationship develop you know and reconnect with with the brothers like really got me like in a you know hit me in the feels i was like oh and i and i did not expect it at all um yeah. especially at the end of it it's just very uh it was surprisingly powerful yeah my, you know mike's a, mike's a wonderful writer yeah um and, um, um, and, and, um, I, I feel like even while we were shooting it, um, there, and, and by the way, Joe Roth, I think is a great director and I wish that he had mm. directed more. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, not that, you know, not that he, he won't, but you know, he, he very quickly became, um, you know, the, the movie actually has kind of a, uh, like the business side of the movie um, has has sort of an interesting tale because uh, Joe Roth was running a company called uh, Morgan Creek mm-hmm. um, at the time. And, I didn't know he, I didn't um, know he was running that company. Yeah. And um, so, and I think he had like a 10 picture deal with Universal um, and, and, um, they, they had done young guns and something else. And, um, Coupe de Ville was one of those movies and, um, and while we were shooting Coupe de Ville, Joe Roth was being offered, um, the, the job as, um, the, you know, uh, president of production for 20th century Fox. Oh, wow. Mm. And, and he ultimately decided to take it. And, um, so 
you know, once the movie ended, once we, you know, finished production on the film and I guess you finished cutting it, he was now the, you know, the chief executive at Fox. And, um, and the, the people at Universal were pissed off at him. Yeah. Because they'd had a 10 picture deal with Morgan Creek, but they had it with him. Um, and he went right. from being their supplier to their competitor. Mm. And um, so, so a decision was made, I think, to kind of punish him to fulfill the minimum, minimum obligation for the release of Coupe de Ville, which was um, to release it for seven days and pull it. Oh, wow. my God. And so. My understanding is Joe tried to buy the negative and have for 20th Century Fox to release, but Universal made the price so high that Joe couldn't, as one of the first things he did at 20th Century Fox, was overpay for his own movie. What a story, man. Yeah. So That's um, so frustrating. <laughs> and, and that's why it's sort of like, it was out for a second and yep. then it went away wow. and then yep. it was, you know, turned up on cable, but couldn't get a, you know, a VCR or a DVD of it for a long time. I don't even know if there are DVDs of it now. It's available now. Yeah. Um, there's like a, it is kind fun. of a print on demand type thing that, that universal does now. Uh-huh. Okay. But well, it's, it's on, and it's also on yeah. HBO max. Um, yeah. Which is great. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. I, I, I hadn't realized. Cause um, it definitely should be revisited. Yep. Obviously if it's, if it's, Pulling up the feels in Dustin. It is. I mean, it's not like it's some rare, you know. No, I get him to cry all the time, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I cry. I mean, I don't cry. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Don't I, cry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, right. Yeah. Let it turn to something else. <laughs> no, but uh, that story, uh, that's heartbreaking. Because, you know, this, this is the other side aspect that people don't necessarily understand is there is there is many sides to film being made. Politics, and, baby. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sure. Well, you know, so my obsession recently, I've just watched this French um, spy drama called The Bureau. Okay. Um, have you seen this at all? No. Is no. it? Where did, Where do you watch that? I, um, I, I watched it on, um, it's on Sundance now that I got to via Amazon Prime video. Okay. Okay. Um, and they're, the they're streaming five seasons of this show and they're like 10 episode seasons. Okay. Um, and, and it's about, um, what goes on at this French, um, um, intelligence agency where, uh, the, the agents train to, um, to go into the field undercover and develop human, you know, human intelligence contacts and, um, and, and try to, um, persuade people to work for French intelligence. Hmm. And, um, I, I don't know in what way, but evidently it's, um, loosely based on some true stories. Um, and it's, I'm telling you, it's a great show. Um, I've just finished it. And the, 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 the unifying idea of the five seasons of this show is that these, these kind of, world shaking events have their you know their genesis in personal relationships and you know and resentments or you know um you know people who love each other being separated and then the effort to like reunite people 
has um, earth-shaking implications. Mm, interesting. You know, kind of like the like the butterfly effect. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know, and the movie industry certainly is not immune to, um, you know, personal uh, grievances or, you know, affecting the release of a movie. Totally. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's going to do it now. <laughs> and we are out yeah. of time. No. <laughs> uh, but we, no, we Mask have, up, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> Should be over in a, in a few short years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, my, my son said that to me uh, actually the other day. Uh, he, he said, he said, when are we going to be able to go back to school? You know, because he really wants to be in person with his teacher, and rightfully so. I said, look, bud. You know, I don't know, but, uh, you know, we'll just take each day as it comes. I think that's all we're doing now is taking one day at a time. I said, we're all living the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, lifestyle. It's like, wake up, see what's going on. Move. That's right. You had to explain the Alcoholics Anonymous lifestyle. I thing. got him a chip. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> just kidding. No, but no, to, to go back to your point, it's like, Unfortunately, yeah, uh, the, the politics of many of these films that we love, the experts included, it, it's one of those stories where it's like, well, this got shelved for a couple of years, or this is why this didn't get happen, or this, this is why this film didn't make as much money as it did, or yada, yada, yada. But at the core, at the end of the day, uh, I can tell you that we have so much love for your body of work. And as we've said throughout this entire interview. Yeah, the movies still, well, still reach, you know, they still you. reach the audience. And they're I think still, they're reaching the, a new audience. The intended audience and then the new audience. And that's what we're trying to do on this show is like revisit a, a lot of these things that were our favorites and spread the spread the love. Yeah, there's enough. Well, uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys are doing this because, um, you know, I, I, I had uh, um, I, I love working. I love acting. And um, and and I and I had a great time, on, you know, uh, uh, doing these flicks. And, um, yeah, we didn't even get a chance to talk no. about House 2, but, uh, you know, um, uh, actually I talked to Jonathan Stark a little while back and he, he talked about how you guys, uh, you know, every now and then you go on eBay to find the, uh, the lost, uh, promo items that they put yeah, out. Yeah, well, yeah, we, you know, we like text <laughs> each other when we find like a cat or puppy somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, or like a lobby stand or something. Uh, um, I'm. You know, I've I've found like an Italian poster uh, for the movie that's on, on sale, but it it's like you know the bidding's at several hundred dollars, and I'm just watching it right now. That's gonna be hoping maybe it comes down. Oh uh, maybe make it a birthday present for John. Well, see that that's what. Um, oh, and there you go. I think that your phone yeah. just said yes. You need to do that. Um, I, I was just gonna say too. That's something that I love hearing is 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 when you love your movie so much because sometimes we'll talk to actors and they're like, oh, I don't watch my work. No, yep. and, that, and that's much respect. Sight, it's all good. Mind. Yeah, yep. but I love that you're like, yeah, I want to talk about this movie. <laughs> I want to talk about House Two, or I want to talk about the Catter Puppies, and you know, and 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 the fact that you still have this photo from just one of the guys, which you can't wait to see. By the way, it's gonna be amazing. Um, I just think that's so wonderful and it's so hopeful. And then like Dustin said, that's the whole point of our show is to uplift and, and at least bring a little bit of joy for an hour, 90 minutes or whatever. Um, and you know, forget about your worries for a little bit (laughs) and take this trip down memory lane in a positive way. And, um, Gosh, it is just really fantastic to hear the stories behind some of the movies we loved. And my my hope and my my intention is that down the road, when everything, whether it's two years or 
well, who knows, doing something in person and being able to see you and, you know, shake your hand, well, give you an elbow bump, I guess. Just to say totally. thank you for, for, for the, the hours of joy that you've given us over the years. Oh, well, thanks a lot. That, um, that gives me all the feels for sure. Thank you. Somebody posted on Twitter, this little video of a, um, ancient woman getting off a plane in Israel and meeting her, she's like a Holocaust survivor meeting her, uh, um, her kids, but her like children or grandchildren and great grandchildren. And they had like a, you know, looked like a, like a 10 by 10 sheet of, of plastic set up. And, and they'd sort of like hug with the plastic sheet mm. between them. It just looked like great and terrible. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it reminds me of it going back to Leslie Nielsen. The that body scene. condoms. The body, the body condoms. I was totally thinking that too. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, you know. Wow, gosh. An idea so whose time has come. Right. Oh Ari, yeah. thank you again for being on our show. It's really an honor. Really appreciate it. It's really my pleasure, guys. I'm honored. Honored that you, uh, that you gave me a call. All right, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the Internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.